Hi, folks. This is Tim Heidecker. You might know me from Tim and Eric and from other uh, movies and TV shows and everything. I host a semi-weekly call-in show called Office Hours. It's uh, broadcast live on my YouTube channel, and it becomes a podcast almost immediately afterwards. So sign up. Thanks to Starburns Audio for making it possible. It's a terrific show. We take your calls. We talk about whatever you want, and we respect you, and we, lo- we love listening to your thoughts. It's a lot of good. It's a lot of fun, and we have Doug Lucenhop, DJ Doug Pound, with me. It's a show that you're going to want to explore. It's a show you're going to want to share with your family and your friends and pass along to your uncle. I think he's going to enjoy it as well. Hey, everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli, the queen of Maine. And you know what? I got my own podcast. Yeah. Does everyone have one? Pretty much. But mine's different because I'm going to help you like I help myself. Get Stuffed with Lisa Lampanelli every week is going to teach you how to have the fabulous life that I have. If you don't listen, you're just stupid and don't want to help yourself. So don't even listen. I don't even want you to. But if you do, if you disobey my orders and listen, you can go to feralaudio.com or download it from iTunes. But again, don't listen. I don't even care. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. Hi, my name is Heather Graham, and I'm playing Dorothy Tyson in the movie The Last Rampage. The Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film. X-Files Files. I'm Kumail Nanjiani. I'm going to be the host of this. A uh, couple things before we get started. First of all, I want to credit uh, the name of the podcast. My friend Chris Neary, current friend, ex-roommate, came up with that name and I'd forgotten he had come up with it. So it's the X-Files Files. I want to clear that up. And then secondly, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the X-Files and I wanted to do this podcast. I think people are going to be like, well, do we listen to this before we watch the show? Or should we watch the episode and then listen to it? So I think a good approach for this one 
it would be great if you watched the first two episodes uh, and then listen to this, but I think it would totally work if you just listen to this, see if it's something that sounds interesting to you, then go back and watch it. Subsequent episodes, I think, would be better if you watch the episode and then listen to it. But this first one uh, is sort of an overview of the X-Files, sort of our personal experiences with why we like it. And if it sounds like something that would be interesting to you, go back and watch the first two episodes. Uh, the first guest is Devin Farachi. Um, that's it. I hope you guys like it. Welcome to the first episode of The X-Files Files. I think that's what we're calling it. I don't know. I thought of it. Well, Emily thought of it a little bit ago. I'm Kamel Nanjiani. I'm going to be your host. Uh, our first guest is Devin Faraci. Hello. Hey, thanks for doing this. So the reason I... Okay, so people... This is an, uh, a podcast about The X-Files, which sounds like a very, very niche thing. For me personally, I wanted to do it kind of because for a couple of reasons. One, it's a show that I love that seemed to be very inf influential to the pop culture landscape, but that sort of went away. I remember one time we talked about it almost a year ago, a few months ago, and you mentioned how it feels like X-Files should kind of be coming back in the conversation a little bit. Yeah, it feels like the last couple of months or the last year or so. I mean, part of it, I think, is the um, part of it is the anniversary yeah, uh, it was the like show? the 20th anniversary. Yeah, was that's part of September it. September 2013. But I think something. the show, the show came on Netflix, and I think that people began to really discover it that way. And I think it sort of came back. And I think a lot of the stuff that the show's about has sort of become a current again. And then a lot of the conspiracy stuff, a lot oh, of the weird yeah, the stuff. Oh yeah, the NSA stuff. Yeah. That stuff is all really current again. I think yeah. that the show speaks to people in a way that it didn't post 9/11. Uh, that stuff didn't really work anymore. And now we're back into that world again where we don't trust our government all over again oh, and stuff yeah. like that. I guess post 9-11, we were in a way this like sort of back to innocence where we were okay with the government doing do whatever to keep us safe. Like keep us safe because all of a sudden there was that outside threat, which is actually one of those like conspiracy theory ideas always that you know the outside threat will always galvanize us, which is why where's where the 9-11 truthers come their whole opinion is that 9/11 was faked so that we could, uh, you know, be easily led, um, um, and it worked. I mean, but I, was, I don't, I don't believe it was fake. I believe 9/11 was was real. Was real, and it was perpetrated by Al Qaeda. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, but you know, it it did work. It did that. It made everybody in America for a couple of years be like, oh, let's just trust everything the government says. Yeah, everyone became super patriotic for a little while, which I think, to me, honestly, patriotism can be such. A, damaging it's it can be a very destructive force yeah. and i honestly don't think i think it's more negative than positive you, you end up defining yourself uh in opposition to what you're not rather than by what you are right um and i think uh yeah it's and it's also i think to show uh, it's a good time for it to come back because it really really holds up the stuff that held up then still holds up now it didn't feel like it doesn't feel cheesy in the way that a lot of like stuff that was popular feels cheesy, you know? Yeah, it sort of works. I mean, we we rewatched the first two episodes in preparation for this, and I was struck. Some of the stuff doesn't work. I mean, there's some effects work that is just, like, oh, really brutal. brutal. But the character stuff and the photography, I think, really works. And even though it's old-fashioned square photography, because oh, this was yeah. a show that aired before yeah. there were widescreen TVs, um, it's it still is kind of gorgeous and moody. Uh, and, and the characters and the... The thing about the show, I think, that really works today. Also, we live in a uh, in a world where TV has these long story arcs. Yeah, 
The X-Files did a really nice job of mixing those long story arcs with individual episodes. So the show paved the way for the story arcs, but the show never fell prey to just story arcs. Yeah. Which I think a lot of shows today, it's like, oh, I missed the last three episodes. Forget it. I can't even watch. Yeah. But this show, you could kind of jump in and, and get up to speed. Yeah, you can jump in um, to, into specific episodes. You know, we talked about how Home is a really great mm-hmm. episode. Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose is probably my favorite episode. And that's episode, that's season four, and I think... Home might be five. It's it's around there, maybe three. But um, it's a show that really lends itself to new fans because right. you can jump in at specific points. The other thing that I thought was interesting, this will be uh, the fourth, fourth time I'm watching X-Files. All the way through. By all the way through, I mean season six. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so yes, all pod- the way through. This podcast is not going to go to season nine? Oh, my God. You know what? There's some good stuff in Seven. Like, I think that'd be really interesting to do is to follow some, it right yeah. through the end. I, yeah, and I don't know yet how I'm going to do it, if I'm going to sort of jump around a bit. You and I talked a little bit whether we're going to just do our favorite sort right. of uh, Monster of the Week episodes, the pilot. But rewatching the pilot, it sort of uh, made me realize that the decision to do the pilot was a good idea. Cause right. It's a really, really great episode. That's a great, as you said, blueprint for what comes next. It's interesting how much of the show is already in the pilot, the way the cold open works, the structure of every episode. Um, uh, and that's a cold open that you see in so many shows now, and I think X-Files was really influential in that. Like uh, Breaking Bad used a lot of similar like uh, structural stuff because you had... Well, Vince um, Gilligan coming off of the X-Files. Yeah. I mean, what's neat about the pilot is that... Um, yeah, all the pieces are in place. The only two things that I think are missing in the pilot that would define the X-Files for me afterwards is the opening credits. Yeah, weird, right? There's no opening credits, and Skinner's not in it. Skinner's not in it. And Skinner right. becomes a really huge part of what defines the X-Files yeah. to me later on. But those are the only two pieces that are missing. The relationship between Mulder, between Mulder so and Scully is already. right on point. Yeah. Um, the, the dark humor... Uh, that, yeah. that sort of wry, dark humor is there. Um, what's also amazing is watching this again, this show when it aired in 92, right? In 93, 93 yeah. The autopsy stuff. Yeah. That, there, there, there weren't a thousand autopsy shows on TV no. then. There, there, you just that's didn't true. see that. And all this CSI stuff came afterwards. Oh, that's right. In, 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 in 93, watching them do this autopsy on this weird, deformed body was like, it blew me away. This yeah. was gorier and weirder than anything I had ever seen on television. And um, now that's really standard. Like, people with their brains oh, hanging out. Like, every on show. Every show. But th- in 93, this was a big deal. Um, and, and But, however, even though it's on every show now, I think the way that this show does it in the pilot, it's still it's still very impactful. Because that weird, screwed up, melty face yeah. thing in the coffin yeah. uh, still really works. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck is that? And to me, there was, I got like, because I love the show so much, um, I got like sort of a little like uh, emotional at different points and when Scully says, I've never done an autopsy before, I was like, I've seen hundreds of scenes of her doing that <laughs> and I'm watching it before she ever did that, you know? And I think, uh, uh, to me, the show, um, this is, uh, I told you, this is probably, if I had to pick one show that's my favorite show of all time, it would be this. Which is sort of, it's sort of tough in that uh, there's probably more bad, um, or, or it's about even, bad X-Files and good X-Files. Even in every season, there were clunkers, which right. is unavoidable. Right. But the one thing that people, I think, I think have sort of been a revisionist about is that the, the uh, main storyline, the alien, the conspiracy storyline, because it goes to shit after it season six. It goes so bad. It yeah. goes so bad that people have sort of taken that and applied it to before. I think the conspiracy storyline up until the first movie 
is really, really good and well, really solid. That's so we, we, you know, watching this episode and watching Deep Throat, the second episode, which are yeah. both heavy conspiracy episodes, yeah. really establishing the universe of the UFO conspiracy. That stuff is really good here. Yeah, and like watching it and remembering where it's going to go, I'm kind of bummed out because they had a lot of stuff that they were setting up or playing with. That I think they dropped the ball on. Yeah. But for those first five seasons, it it's was fantastic. Killer. And you really could. Obviously, they had some got some sort of mandate, or they wanted to keep it going. But at the movie, you could see that where the conspiracy would have ended. Right. You could have ended the story in uh, uh, season five, and it would have been fantastic. And for me, I love this show because it came. You know, I was a big like UFO nut as a little kid, and I always, yeah, always was like, I, I've read all the. You know, I've seen the checkerboard like fucking uh, the radiation burns and all that stuff. I've looked up in the sky <laughs> hoping for UFOs. And if you, I think the first episode says something like based on true events or something. So when I saw it as a kid, I was like, oh, finally, they're telling the stories. <laughs> so when I watched the first few episodes, I thought it was real. So that was certainly why it was kind of, I was a stupid little kid. But that was part of why it was exciting to me. But it's also exciting because, you know, you grow up, like I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan, which is a big city, but it felt like a small town. And what the X-Files really did was it makes the world seem bigger and weirder and more interesting than it is because I'd seen sci-fi like you know obvious like big sci-fi like Star right. Wars or Star Trek this was sci-fi in our world like right. sort of shadow sci-fi well you know what's also really cool is like, I was also really into UFOs and conspiracy stuff and in 93 that stuff was not mainstream yeah and it has since become very mainstream I mean like all the JFK conspiracy stuff and all, all that business yeah. but it wasn't then and it was real weird and like you were like you hung out like at the weird section of the bookstore it's like if you look back at like Slacker uh, yeah. you know, and, and there's the weird conspiracy guy in that yeah. movie and that's what it was like it was yeah. always weird fringe dudes so this show uh, touching on that stuff was fun you know episode mm -hmm. 2 um, Deep Throat they go to a place that is basically Area 51 yes now in 93 that was not big in pop culture. Area 51 was a thing that you as like a weirdo knew about yeah. and like your mom didn't. Yeah. I mean now everybody knows about Area yeah. 51 but back then when you were like you know uh, the kid who spent all his time at the UFO section of the bookstore the paranormal section yeah. uh, seeing this and going oh my god this is supposed to be I know what this is this is Area 51 this is where they test the UFOs uh, and it was really amazing uh, at, at the time and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that the stories are good. The stories are good. The, the leads are amazing. The chemistry is amazing. Do you think it was the X-Files that sort of dragged some of that st stuff into the mainstream? 100%. A million percent. The X-Files is one of those shows that was hitting, even when the, the X-Files is like Buffy, and that it was a show that even when it wasn't at the top of the ratings, was the top of the media discussion. Yeah. So it was getting covers of Entertainment Weekly. Uh, it was being talked about. It was being seen by not the biggest audience in the whole world, but the impact that it had was enormous. I, I read you this quote. I, there's this article on Grantland by um, I'm gonna I have to say, uh, Brian Phillips wrote this for the 20th anniversary, and we're sort of talking now about the um, you know the uh, legacy of X Files and what it meant to pop culture. He said this is a great quote: "The X Files was probably the first great TV show to be galvanized by the internet, and the last great TV show to." to depict a world in which the internet played no part. So when you're talking about sort of those weird guys you had to talk to, that was before the internet really was Right, a you thing. Could, just couldn't find these people every place. Like yeah. you just you had to be like the weirdo in in your in your town. What's so funny about the X-Files, I watched this show when it was on and I was really into it. And these were back in the days where you didn't have communities online to go yeah. talk about it. So you had to buy these books that came out at the end of every <laughs> season and it would be the X-Files casebook and it would have episode guides and it would tell you like, you know, little behind the scenes facts and it would give the uh, synopsis because you didn't even have a, a website where there's any oh, synopses. Yeah. You had to rem either remember it because also there weren't home video releases. 
And in fact, when the X-Files was first out, they would eventually put out select episodes yeah, on VHS. Yeah. You couldn't get them all. Yeah. And they, they and they picked and chose. Yeah. So it was like, well, this is a good one, but what about this one? Why isn't this one available? Yeah. And so I had this whole collection of homemade VHS tapes. And I had these case file books that I would scour trying to connect the dots, comparing it with like my weird conspiracy and UFO books that I had at home. And it was, it was this, the internet makes all this stuff easier but I think that it was more fun. It really than... was because it changed your experience of it, and it also changed the, the 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 world of the show. Obviously, I was watching some horror movie. I forget what it was. It might have been Paranormal Activity. No, it was. You know what? What's the one? It was pretty good. The Conjuring. Uh-huh. I believe it's The Conjuring where they're like, "There's a ghost. There's these things," and they just Google it. No, the Conjuring then... is set in the '70s. So it's not The Conjuring. The Conjuring is the '70s. It's, it's one it's of Paranormal those. Activity. The first one they Google the, they the Google ghost it, in the first Paranormal up. Activity. Yeah. This this show is set in a world where you obviously can't do that, and not just that. If you have your file of evidence, and if that file, that physical file, is gone, it's just fucking gone. Right. Or if they're if they're separated in the woods. They may have cell phones, but there's no way who, to. Who knows? Like, who knows if the service is re- reasonable yeah. or whatever? And so it isn't like they're not just texting each other all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she isn't just snapping photos of their cell phone all the time, getting all the evidence. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, the, the fact that you define guys to like talk talk about, uh, the, to talk with the stuff about, uh, made, you know, your experience more mysterious. Right. And you're talking about a show that was more mysterious, too. It was, uh, it was really. Um, did you ever. I never got to the point. I didn't have a computer until like much later, so I never got the experience of because this guy says that uh, X Files was one of the first shows uh, that people talked about on the internet. Did you ever get to the point where you did that? No. What I ended up getting to the point was I had a computer at work, and I would print. What was your work? Uh, I worked. Uh, I'm gonna now when I, when I tell you what I printed at work, this is gonna really sound bad. I worked. I was at the time. Nazi I was. Pamphlets? I was working at AmeriCorps. Uh, which is the, um, the 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 civil service initiative uh, started by Bill Clinton, and I was doing community organizing uh, at AmeriCorps, and I was printing out two different things uh, at AmeriCorps. I was printing out um, information about my favorite TV shows and movies, and also pornography. Uh, oh, you were printing out for yourself? For your, this my, is yes. not for AmeriCorps. This is not. No, this is not. This is not part of the AmeriCorps initiative. Listen, so, we have to bring pornography to the to the less privileges. Yes. Yeah. So this is the time when you just couldn't have p- pornography. Like it just was not easy to have. Yeah. So I would print it out. Yeah. Like when I would find amazing porn on the internet, yeah. I would print it out at the office. But I would also print out these long discussion threads about the X Files so that I could read them later and really pour over it. And I really didn't participate. I mostly just like lurked uh, via paper. Because well, you, you can't really post from the printouts that you have. Well, so, well I, I, I could have posted from work, but it was one of these things where I would print it up and then take it home. Yeah. You know, I'm really get into it. And it's a, it's a show that really lends itself to discussion, So, which is why I wanted to do this podcast. It's it's for people who don't know the X-Files and also people like us who love the X-Files. Right. Um, so this is a, an episode you can listen to even if you haven't watched the pilot in the next one. Hopefully this is one that'll get you to watch those two um, those two episodes. And, and I sort think of, we can talk yeah. about this in a way that won't spoil it for, for newcomers yeah, in, in, I mean, in a heavy way. We're going to talk about the first two episodes, and we'll probably spoil some stuff. There's not, really not that much to spoil um, in the first two episodes, because really it's all set up. Uh, there's a great... 
Um, wh wh what these episodes do so well is, uh, I'm sorry, it's going to be a little scattered. I, I, it's the first episode of this. <laughs> is You said that the relationship is developed so well. So it starts off, you have Scully being hired by the higher-ups to sort of keep Mulder in check. Well, Mulder's it's, it's great watching her walk through the FBI offices where it's like busy and bright and people are getting <laughs> things done. Yeah. And her journey yeah. is down into this basement where yeah. he's among all these file boxes. Yeah, and his first, she knocks on the door, his first line of the whole series, he goes uh nothing down here but the fbi's most unwanted yeah and i like to think that that's how he always <laughs> answered like she, everyone knocks they're like listen i'm just trying to clean you don't have to use that line on everyone and you know as the show goes on you realize that fox Mulder is the kind of guy who would in fact probably use that line on everybody oh sure which i think is so cool like his all his like quips and stuff are kind of measured yeah he really wants to project a certain image where he's yeah. like this cool guy who's a little like removed but there's that great scene in the pilot where it establishes that his sister's missing and he's really vulnerable and open and right. i think that's what's so great about his character is that it's uh, this sort of cool badass guy but then there's also this real like emotional need to find out what is happening what happened to his sister right it makes it sort of personal for him it was interesting the first time i watched it i was Mulder, and then the second time i watched it i think i was still Mulder. but the third time i watched it i sort of took scully's journey because the show in a way is more about scully than it is about Mulder. like right. Mulder really doesn't have an arc he believes it in the beginning and he believes it at the end there's a great line where scully says you want to believe it all don't you and that's how I was as a kid. I wanted to believe in the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. But I think Scully's journey is more interesting because there's the whole like faith versus right. uh, science thing that uh, is embodied in her because it sort of becomes that she's religious later and she's having issues with that, which is sort of the science person. But in a way, she's the more... Uh, she she's more faith because it's more faith on what she thinks science should be where Mulder is almost going on more evidence as more of a pure scientist. Well, he's... Mulder has his own faith because he believes in all this stuff, sight unseen. Any in the, over the course of the show, these first two episodes, but over the course of the entire show, any paranormal thing, any paranormal claim, he buys. Yeah, like <laughs> oh, he's into it. Like yeah. as soon, like like if you were like, I just farted the Virgin Mary. He's he's into it. Like, but then actually, he, no, he's not because he's he's against religion. He's against religious phenomena. So, but, but, phenomena. You, but if you look at the numbers, he's always right. So he's you got to go with him. Well, that's one of the weird things about the show. The format of the show is that you know we live in a world now where Breaking Bad it's twelve episodes per season, and then it's like five six seasons. Yeah, and there's a story. Yeah, this is a show. It's twenty two, twenty four episodes a season that was going on open ended. So Scully's journey slowly becomes ridiculous. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Where she's like every single time you're like debunking what Mulder's saying. He's been right 100% of the time. Start buying it. Mulder, are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, but that's what's so interesting. But that's the thing is like that core dynamic is so important to the show. Right. Like, and, and it's so already established where I think it's, it's great. There's like these little moments where Mulder knocks on the door and, and she's like, who is it? And he says, Steven Spielberg. And she smiles. Like she genuinely really, really likes, likes him. him right from the beginning. And he likes her. Yeah. This is one of the shows. This is one of the first shows that I remember, um, shipping happening i mean of course and yeah. there had been will there won't they shows in the past you know there had been moonlighting and moonlighting stuff like that but stuff. that was built into it the x-files it wasn't exactly built into it no it wasn't there is that scene in the motel in the first episode where they're trying she, to sex her up they well also she comes into his arms and holds him because she thinks that she has yeah. these weird and there's an intimate moment but they, they they diffuse it enough that it's an intimate moment, but the way that he reacts, he's not coming on to her. No. That it doesn't have that will they or won't they feel exactly yeah. that Moonlighting had, yeah. but people shipped the shit out of that relationship. Yeah. And that was the other interesting thing about this is that 
that's already established that they like each other enough that you can ship it, but they don't like each other so much that you're going to spend a lot of time being aggravated yeah. when they don't fuck. Right. Because that's the problem a lot, a lot of Will They or Won't They shows is they so clearly like each other. Yeah. They just want to be like, grow up. Just fucking Just grow fuck. up. Let's make out. Let's do yeah. it. Like, but their, I think, relationship already in the first one, I think that's a great moment that you brought up because uh, what happens in the first episode is that they find all these people. They're all from the same class in some small town. Where are they? Idaho, right? Oregon. They're, Oregon. Well, Second uh, episode is As Idaho. in most of the show, it's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Well, because they're in <laughs> Vancouver. Um, is that they find all these sort of dead bodies that have these uh, two, like, Marks. Puncture marks. That's unclear, yeah. And then there's a scene where Scully, the whole epi- episode has been like, doesn't buy it, doesn't buy it. And then she looks at these two things and she's got him. On her on, on her back, directly above her, her pantied butt. Yeah. Because the show specifically has a panty shot of her. And I don't think the show ever does anything no. like ever again. I think that's what it, so many shows where the female lead is very attractive will sexualize her. The X-Files was never, never really did that. Scully's wearing a, a pretty frumpy suit in almost every single episode yeah. of this program. It's interesting. She looks so different, too. She's got, like, baby fat. Like, she looks really young. They both look like kids in this yeah. pilot. They look like yeah. little kids. But what's great is that moment when she comes in and she's sort of scared and uh, Mulder tells her it's just mosquito bites. So the trust is already there. The right. first person she comes to is Mulder. And it's a really wonderful scene, but it also sort of shows that she really cares about the truth as much as Mulder does. Right. And it's a nice dramatic reversal because she comes to him with unknown things and he debunks it. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a sweet little reversal that yeah. works nicely as a character moment. And it's interesting because you see, you know, this this quest for truth has been personal for Mulder from the beginning right. since his sister was abducted. That's sort of the uh, thing that he's trying to figure out. That's the impetus for, you know, uh, uh, him being into the X-Files. But the story, in a way, becomes more personal for Scully. This is seasons later. Right. She gets a little more wrapped up in it. And I think it's really interesting where you sort of see little hints of it already in the first episode. Yeah, it's funny. I don't want to spoil anything for later seasons, but it is funny how they switch places as the show goes on. Mulder's personal stake gets lessened in yes. a lot of ways. And yeah. Scully's gets greater. Yeah. Um And uh, you, you know what else? Has? The cigarette smoking ban is in episode one. First scene. Amazing, right? But you know what's funny? So you watch that first scene, and he is like clearly above the FBI guys. Yes. But the end scene where he's putting the thing, he's putting the in arc, the fucking, he's putting the arc in yeah, the in, in, it's away. A great scene. He's clearly the guy that puts it away. So he's not. Later on, the show makes him like a real big deal. Yeah. And he's definitely much more middle management in this in the beginning. Well, but he's I like also, Darth Vader in the first Star Wars, yeah. where he's clearly middle management. Well, I read the story, and he had auditioned for one of those other two FBI guys, and he didn't get the part, so they just cast him in the non-speaking part. He doesn't speak in the first episode, and he's but he's such a strong presence, right. so they like gave him this part that ended up ultimately being way more important to the X-Files mythos. But there is a, it ends with, you know, the, the episode ends with this... All the other evidence has been taken away from them. All the other evidence has been taken away from them. Scully goes into her superiors where she's supposed to sort of rat Mulder out. And she gives them the only piece of evidence she has left. And I was literally like yelling at my TV like, don't give it to these guys. <laughs> and then the last scene is the cigarette smoking man taking that evidence into basically the, the, the warehouse. Yeah, from the end of, Lost Ark, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, and he opens it and there's a bunch of other like similar vials that people have found that they've gotten back from them. But you pull back and you see the vastness of it. And that really is such a great like um, uh, thesis statement for the X-Files where yeah. it's like there's all this shit in this room and we're going to spend years trying to get at like just little hints of it, right. you know? And the structure of sort of um, 
The X-Files ultimately became Mulder getting a piece of evidence, and he has it, and then it gets taken away from right. him. And that happens, a microcosm of that happens in the first episode already. It's nice when he's introduced the cigarette smoking man, because um, 93 was just that point where it was no longer cool to smoke in the office. <laughs> so he's a badass. You know already he's like outside of everything. Yeah, he doesn't give nobody, a shit. Nobody should be smoking in the office. And this is just when... Yeah. It started. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like five to ten years earlier, you probably could have just smoked in the office. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, no, no. Not not anymore. Yeah, no one's gonna tell this fucker to not smoke. Exactly. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um there's also uh I'm trying to Oh, there's a really great moment. I just wrote this quote down where Mulder just says to her, I'm not crazy. I thought that was such a sweet cause like his uh nickname is Spooky Mulder. Right. She's brought in to like take care of this crazy guy, and it's just this Really vulnerable, because he has this wall up in front of everybody else, but in front of Scully, he finally just says, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm just trying to get at the truth. It's so sweet. Uh, oh, and the sunflower seeds are in episode one. Right off the bat. There's one Great, of the, right? It's one of the... There are a couple of defining Mulderisms, and, and yeah. the sunflower seeds is one of them. Uh, the only thing that's not uh, yet there yet is he's uh, he's he's big into porn. He's a big porn he's addict, porn which addict. is really funny. <laughs> which I think I, I honestly can't think of another... TV character that's big into that's, porn like who's that. not a comedy character yeah who's big into porn like that it's really funny and there's a episode that happens much much later I think season 5 or maybe even 6 or the body swap yeah. yeah the body swap Michael McKean becomes him and now he's hot and he opens this closet and all this porn falls out and he's like what the fuck but it's such a cool character bit I mean this is obviously not established yet but it's such a cool character bit for the idea that Fox Mulder is a good looking yeah. viral guy yeah. who has sexual interest yeah. but is so driven by what he does that he's just sublimated it all over to porn. Yeah. Like, he is not Indiana Jones. He's not fucking a different girl in every in every case. Yeah. He is just jerking it yeah. and then getting back to the UFOs. Yeah, and Indiana Jones needs to be called into duty because he's at... He's doing a thing. They're like, Indiana Jones, we right. need you to go get this. Mulder's already there. Right. Mulder's always looking for right. the thing. He's like, uh, almost to a fault, like you said, he wants to believe all this stuff so much that he'll, he'll buy all of it. Right. Um, there's another here. Uh, so I was reading this. Um, this is a bigger picture thing, but um, what I really like is how the second episode ends. So the second episode introduces this character called Deep Throat, who's going to be sort of his informant for the next few. Right. Uh, no spoilers, but he's a guy who basically Mulder is going to another small town. The same. He's going to Idaho. There's a test pilot who's got some weird shit going on. He's gone missing. Um, they're trying to figure out. This is a town where there's a ton of UFO sightings. Uh, and the last exchange, uh, so so he's there, and this guy shows up, and he's like, "Just don't look for it. Don't you don't want to go down this path?" And it's kind of scary. But Mulder walks out, and Scully's like, "Are you okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm great." But he has this smile on his face, like he knows he's on the right track. That's the thing: is that being warned away is the best way to know that you're right. Yeah, and then it turns out that that guy basically wanted to test and make sure that Mulder was a guy who was the real deal, and right. he's going to help Mulder as long as it helps this guy further his agenda. And the last conversation that they have, it's such a great conversation because it really sets up the rest of the series. So the deep throat uh, comes to Mulder again at the end after uh, Mulder's lost all the evidence, there's nothing, and he says, Mr. Mulder, why are those like yourself who believe in the existence of extraterrestrial life on this earth not dissuaded by all the evidence to the contrary? And then Mulder says, because all the evidence to the contrary is not entirely dissuasive. And deep throat says, precisely. And Mulder goes, they're here, aren't they? And deep throat goes, Mr. Mulder? They've been here for a long, long time. And that's how the second episode ends. And you're like, fuck, now I want to I watch every episode in like an hour. 
Do you know what's nice? This is a TV show where they say dissuasive. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really smart TV show. Yeah, it's really smart. But I, I noticed like how much uh, 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 how much of the dialogue in the first two episodes was so sharp. Yeah. So good. Like there's the one line I said where uh, one of the guys who's one of these like sort of foot soldiers, those guys in black suits with sunglasses that you see so many of them. The men the in black, yeah. Yeah, the men in black. Where he punches Mulder and he says, "Assume the conf- the consequences of intense indiscretion." Like I don't know what that means exactly, but it's kind of a badass thing for just like a fucking thug to say. Yeah. Um, and I w- what I also like is they do a really good job of giving Scully enough in every episode for her to keep going, for her to keep going with Mulder. You know, like it's almost like she protests too much, like because her believing this conspiracy is going to sort of throw her entire world into whack. Well, it's interesting. By the end of the second episode, she has to clearly believe in the conspiracy. There's a nice bit of the, because she has to go and kick ass to get Mulder back. Yeah. Which is great. Which I like that great. a lot. And you know what? I like that it's, it happens very early in the show. It establishes that she will do that for him. It's really nice. I think in a modern TV show, this would be like episode seven or eight and they'd be yeah. bickering for a while. Um, they get right to the business. What's nice is that it establishes that she believes there is a conspiracy but she doesn't have to believe that it's UFOs. Yes. And it can just be like, well, all they're doing is just testing stealth technology. Yes. And they're just being real dicks about it. Yeah. And and, and so that, that that's the nice part. And that carries it through for about three or four seasons that, yes. oh, there is stuff going on, but Mulder, it's not ghosts and Bigfoot. It's, yeah. It's just advanced technology. There's also great moments in the first episode where Mulder is like, I'm, try- I'm trying to get this like file and they won't let me get it. And she's like, why? <laughs> she's like shocked <laughs> that people. Are, she's such an innocent in the first episode, yeah. um, and she sort of stays that way a little bit. Seth Green is an episode too, right? Well, it's funny when you said that first time you watched the X Files, you were Mulder. Um, the first time I watched X Files, I was Seth Green. Uh, <laughs> I, I That's was like, right. I was like a grunge kid, uh, just like watching, watching this, lights dance in the sky, being stoned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seth Green eating a cheeseburger like nobody's business in this episode. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, and then I love that bit because they go back to the car and Seth Green gives uh, Mulder a tape and they put the tape in the car and it's like just generic <laughs> rock music. Yeah. And I, they're like, and like, it's just so funny. It's just like, what, really like just generic rock? It's just very funny. Well, um, what's so cool about that is one, that they, he's this like stoner kid, but both Mulder and Scully really like him. There's a lot of times where they're like, he's saying something stupid and they look at each other and they smile. They think they, it's cute. They yeah. think it's cute. And I think that's a thread that sort of carries through the whole episode, all of the X-Files is that the conspiracy stuff is made by these big bad guys in the government, but it really sort of affects the little guy. Right. So you see how it sort of affects uh, Seth Green a little bit. You see how it affects the pilots and you see how it affects the pilots' wives. Right. And um, later there's a character called Max. I forget his full name. Do you remember the, the guy with the long hair? He's a conspiracy theorist. One of the lone gunmen? No, not one of the lone gunmen. He's the guy, I forget what it is, Max, fuck, I, f- I forget his name, but he's a character who sort of shows up a bunch, and he's sort of, he's a guy who's been abducted by uh, aliens a lot, and he started having these seizures in his no- nosebleeds, and there's this really great scene where he's talking to Mulder about all the stuff he knows. He starts having the seizure, and Mulder just holds him so that he doesn't, like, hurt himself, and his nose is bleeding, and Mulder just holds him. And it's a pretty long scene for a mainstream primetime TV show for a guy to just have sort a seizure of have a seizure another guy to just care for him and I think uh, that really comes across is their sort of how much they like these like people in small towns who are affected by this there's a real affection for those kinds of people there's a 
I had this whole thing lately where I, I watch, you know, movies or TV shows where there's like duos or people dealing with the world. And there's, it's really in vogue to have everybody argue or to have yeah. everybody be annoyed by everything because it's, yeah. it's, it's easily comedic. But I hate that. Yes. And it's like Lone Ranger where, in the new movie where Lone Ranger and Tonto hate each other the whole movie. I don't want to watch that. I think I didn't watch that movie twice. <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I double never watched it. But I hate that. And I think maybe a while ago I might have liked that because it felt like real. People are yeah. always, you know, rubbing up against the wrong way. But I like when people like each other. Yeah. And it's a little thing, but it's nice. And the X-Files gets that. So there are characters that they don't like because they're bad guys. Yeah. But Mulder is working with people, even the law enforcement that he doesn't like on the local level. He's working with them. Yeah. He and Scully get along even when they disagree. It's just a, it's a, it's a nice it's 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 just a nice aesthetic to to do it that way yeah it's like a very pleasant show to watch it's all it's sort of frustrating because the you know the evidence the truth is always out of reach always out of reach but they always really really uh like each other and they're there for each other it's comforting and it's and it's right from it's shocking how much first episode is crazy that because that is it's It's fully formed it's that motel scene yeah and then it's like they 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 love each other and whether or not it's romantic they they love each other yeah and it seems like almost higher than love where there's like a real real connection where they're not like trying to just get in each other's pants which is why any stuff that comes later where it maybe does or doesn't become romantic feels felt to me like weird like oh no this is beyond they're too good for this yeah this is beyond that and there's all this other stuff that i didn't realize was so like the iconic shot of Mulder with the craft over him and the light over him and then the the, the, the wide shot of the crafts above him and it, that's from the first episode yeah. that's crazy and that's like that's one of the five things you think of when you think of the X-Files yeah. so much of that show came out fully formed like Chris Carter really I don't know what it was because Chris Carter hasn't really done anything done nothing else since uh, everything he's done since has been bad has you seen it have you seen his Amazon pilot I, I haven't seen his Amazon pilot I mean I've seen as good as this pilot episode is X-Files uh, the new movie is the exact opposite of goodness of that. The last movie. I mean, it is... I know there's a lot of people who are... who I know you don't want a Ghostbusters 3 to happen and you don't like reboots and stuff. I'm okay with it because I'm like, it won't ruin the memory of the good stuff. But the X-Files 2 movie kind of did for me. It's uh, It shits on everything. It's so bad. And you really... I really, really hope they do one more... Just, just to clean it up. Just to... Just to Give me something. Yeah. I think the idea of doing a Monster of the Week uh, movie that many years later was great. Just have a good... I just wanted a good 90-minute episode. Yeah. Like, even if it was the 30th best Monster of the Week episode, I would have been happy. But this is, like, maybe five worst. It's an, it's an, it's an embarrassment. And it's, it's, you know, that's a movie where he had a lot of leeway. And it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of what happened... What do you mean he had a lot of leeway? He got to make the movie he wanted to make. Yeah, but it was also what I hear was that it happened right after uh, it was one of the first uh, last scripts picked up before the WGA strike. Yeah, so they couldn't do rewrites on it. I mean, that's that is that is true. It was it was, you know, it's always one of those things when there's a strike. You always have to hear these stories about well, that movie. <laughs> Was the strike? That's, what, that's like, what I hear about Twin Peaks and David Lynch is that he crossed the picket line, that he was a scab to make. <laughs> Twin Peaks, and that's why they let him do whatever they wanted because they just wanted any TV show. <laughs> How else is that gonna, fucking crazy show going to make it on the air? Uh, that Twin Peaks is another show that really went uh, to shit, and it's pretty Twin Peaks. The X Files is too. That the weird small town thing. It's and not just because uh, David Duchovny's in both. Yes, not. Oh, yeah. 
Um, what a great show that was, dude. I think the what I really love when I see X Files is sort of leaving the the episode we mentioned called Home, uh, which I really like. It's about this uh, inbred family in some tiny town, and the sheriff uh, is talking about how you know this town is their home, and there's people coming in, and that sort of becomes a theme as like sort of. Globalization is kind of a right. theme of that episode that sort of ruined these small towns. Everything's sort of becoming the same. Everyone has access to the same thing. This article that I mentioned in Grantland, this guy talks a lot about small towns had these rules, like things that only you knew. Like if somebody dies, you write about it on this wall, you know? And as the internet's sort of making everything one, that stuff goes away. And I really miss that watching The X-Files. It's like the weirdness of small towns that have these weird secrets. You know what's funny? I haven't rewatched Home or anything like that, but I bet that stuff's scarier now in a connected world, the idea of these little communities that are that separate are from unconnected, us. unconnected, yeah. Because that's always what this fear is, is, that you wander off the highway and into a totally different world. Yeah. Now it's even worse, because now when you wander off the highway, you're walking into McDonald's and Jack in the Box sure. and the same stuff. But when you find that place that is totally disconnected, I bet it's even spookier. Yeah, and I think this... I, I've rewatched Home a whole bunch of times. That's one of the episodes, like... So this is when I said this is the fourth time I'm watching it. This uh, First time I watched it on my own, right. when it was on. I watched it right after college with my roommate, who wasn't into the X-Files, but was always intrigued. We watched it all together. Um, third time I watched it is the proudest, is I got my wife Emily into it. She said she was not a big sci-fi... She liked sci-fi, but to, to her, X-Files was kind of like... Because she was a goth, and she was like, I'm supposed to like this, so I'm not going to like it. Yeah, it's, I'm going to say it's weird that she, because she was at the right place at the yeah. right time, yeah. that it should have totally hit Same her. Same reason that she hates Monty Python, where she's like, all my friends, the weird kids liked it, fuck them. She was such, <laughs> she was rebelling against everything. <laughs> she was so that it was just her on an she island. She was rebelling against the rebels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also <laughs> the people that the rebels were rebelling against. She was like, on her own. But uh, so she was a goth, but she was like a happy goth, like she was doing the weird. <laughs> so getting her into the X Files is the thing I'm most proud of. I got her in, like I wa- made her watch like something from season four, season five, and then something, and then I got her into it. So that was the third time I watched it. Was I watched most of it again with her, skipping through the bad ones, which you can right, totally you have, do. You can do very easily. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like very skippable episodes. Uh, but what's interesting is. Um, so now this will be the fourth time. Is the next episode is Squeeze, which is Eugene Toombs. It's a the great episode. It's, most it's iconic bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much? It's crazy how much that show came. And then out, he became like, a bad guy in real life. He's the guy who married Courtney Stodden, yeah. right? She was like when she 16, was sixteen or something. Yeah. yeah. She's like she's a person that we as uh, that we made. I think that's a person that the internet made. Like we were all like, well, that's in a lab. We were like, let's make a sex person who's a sex person at ten. I, I follow her on Twitter. Yeah, I, I used I, to, and I then can't. I stopped. I you know she she doesn't tweet enough for me to unfollow her. She's like, every now and again, some ridiculous shit will pop up in my feed. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh. That's right. She She's exists. Out there. She exists. She's also weirdly religious and yes. also a sex person. Yes. It's like such a weird mixture it's of so wonderful, great. awful it's things. so great. Yeah. Um, so uh, what else? Um I um so does this did this make you want to like go back and watch more X Files? Yes. When was Very... the last time you'd seen an episode before prior to seeing these two again? It's been a long time. You know what's so funny? Like, probably the last time I sat down for a really good watch of the X-Files, I had ordered bootleg DVDs from China. 
This was before you had any. Because they didn't they didn't have them out. They just oh, this didn't was exist a while ago. This was a long time ago. Yeah. So I think I probably caught an episode or two here or there. I probably watched some episodes right before the second movie came out because I covered the second movie as a journalist. Um, but by that point, I had been so soured on the X Files because of what happened in later seasons that I was Did out. Did you of it. go in sort of with a s- skeptical? The second movie? Yeah. I was so hopeful. You're so hopeful. Me too. So hopeful. I, I was, was like, Mulder. You know, I been, want to believe. It had been long enough yeah. that the end of the show, which I found super dissatisfying, um, it had been long enough since then that I was so like, you're okay. Like, okay, get it together. We, yeah. I think we can probably pick up the pieces now. Yeah. And when I watched it and f- sat through the credits and watched the post-credits bit, um, Where they, uh, it was it was really like a personal offense. Well, there's a lot of things extremely wrong with that movie. Um, and... Uh, one of them is, you know, you said this is one of the shows that uh, really got the shippers going. You want them to hook up. Like, that's what you want. This, 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 the show, the second movie starts with uh, they've been together for a while. Right. And Scully wants to have sex and Mulder says, not tonight, dear. I have a headache, basically. So that's such a big fuck you to fans. Like, you <laughs> wanted this to happen? Well, it happened and you didn't see it and now they don't want it to happen. Now nobody wants it. It's such a bummer. I have, like, a very specific... I talked about it on stage, so I, maybe you've seen it. I had a very specific experience watching the second one. I was, I saw that footage that uh, when they showed the ad at uh, Comic-Con, the, the, the trailer at Comic-Con, and someone got, like, a just a handheld yeah. footage of it, and when Mulder shows up, people erupt. Yeah. Scully shows up, people erupt. I got tears in my eyes watching yeah. that. I was like, this is going to be fucking great. So I got tickets to the movie. This was in Brooklyn. Um, I forget where it was, but it wasn't like a super nice part of Brooklyn. It was, was it playing... the Court Street Theater? Huh? Was it the Court Street Theater? That's right. The Court, Court, Street, was, theater. The Court Street Theater was the theater where the audience participates. Well, this is what happened. So my <laughs> wife and I went, and uh, we it was the mid we got the uh, midnight Thursday night. Yeah, and I was like, we got to get there early. There's gonna be a line. We get there at ten past eleven. We're first in line. Uh, we get in there. There's about eleven of us, and as Emily says, it was me. I was the only guy. Everyone else was like a library science major, <laughs> you know, like you know, not nerdy but fastidious. So. <laughs> <laughs> But we, like, really bonded. We're all talking about the X-Files. We all became, like, sort of, uh, you know, like, oh, my God, you, what did you love about the show? What, what's your favorite episode? Became, we all sat in the middle together, clumped together. I had my Mulder and Scully action figures because um, uh, that my wife had bought me. I brought them together. And I was a grown-up at this point, but it sure. just felt sure. like... that's fine. It felt like a connection it's a to... thing. Yeah, I get it. It was a thing. I brought it. And I'm watching this movie, and it's extremely terrible. Like, it's terrible from the beginning. There's a scene, if you remember, there's a there's one subplot. They're still doing the Scully. Now it's crazy, the faith versus science thing. And there's a kid who has some, like, horrible brain tumor. And you there's some experimental surgery that nobody's willing to do. So Scully, who is not a neurosurgeon, uh, you see her. Do you remember this? She, she goes, Googles how to do brain surgery. She Googles stem cell research. Right, it does research, right? Yeah. But this is why it's so good that there was no internet. In the show, that's actually a that's terrific, exactly why that Grantland quote. This is this the show. The movie proved why it was great. The show didn't have internet, but you can't Google it, and you see her Google it, and then she prints it out, and then it, I swear, it cuts to her. The kid's head is open. She's cutting in. She's looking at the printouts, and then going back like he's a piece of IKEA furniture. Like she's literally doing that. Then it fucking works. So it's the worst. I mean, this movie is the. I mean, it's, it's horrible. Such, it's so horrible. Halfway through, these like. 
10 kids coming. By kids, I mean they're like 16, 17, and they're like uh, urban youth. You sure. know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're, so they come in. I get your code words. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I, know you mean. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm sure black, they're, they're black kids. They're black kids. They come in and they start yelling at us. They're like, look at these fucking nerds, which I get. Uh, you know, we're seeing X-Files right. 2 at midnight. I get it, but this is our safe space. <laughs> Everything is already going bad. So they sort of start saying this stuff to us. And this one girl yells. She's like, there's more of us than there are of you. And the guy says, shut up, bitch. Uh, and then he, they start throwing, like, their McDonald's trash at us. So while, like, the worst thing that I've seen, like, while they're metaphorically pissing on my <laughs> childhood, I'm also getting hit with, like, literal garbage. Garbage. Yeah. It was just a horrible – and we couldn't complain because they're blocking the exit. We're all terrified. So that, to <laughs> me, is my – that's the most recent memory of X-Files. It ends so horribly. But that's why, like, I go back and watch episodes, like, pretty frequently. Right. Um, I'll go home at, like, 2 a.m. on the weekend after hanging out, and I'll, like, throw in an episode. We saw this great episode that had – it's episode. It's season seven, which there aren't that many great episodes. Check out how great this premise is. It's these two guys. There's this, like, hot genie that they find. These two, like, loser guys. And one of them is the guy from Alias, who's, like, the tech guy in Alias, mm -hmm. Kevin something. So they do their first two wishes, and they fuck it up. So if one, they want a boat, and they're in this, like, trailer, like, park, and now there's a huge boat outside, you know? And then they've wished the second one, too. And then, so it, it, this episode starts. They've been sitting on their third wish for, like, a long time. <laughs> And it's just like they're like arguing about what the third wish should be. And now this genie's kind of hanging out with them. And it's been with them for like years. <laughs> and she's like, just say it so I can go, so I can be freed. You know, it's such a great like. That's a good premise for the I Dream of Genie reboot. Series. Yeah. That's a good premise for it. Yeah. Like you've wasted two. Now there's a third one and you can't decide yeah. what to do. Um, uh, but there's a lot of really, really like great uh, single episodes. So I would say to people at home um, who. Uh, haven't watched the show ever and have well, listened to this. I think Pilot and Deep Throat are really, really great. Yeah. Re Do you know what's funny? Your story, I want to contextualize one more thing about the X-Files because I think it's really interesting. If you're a nerd today and you're a younger nerd, there's yeah. a couple of things about the X-Files you don't realize. One of which is that we didn't have them on demand or on home video. There's just those episodes. It would air and go away. It would air and go away. But also, um, the X-Files came out at a time when um, they didn't make toys of anything. Yeah. Toys, they didn't make toys of stuff, yeah. period. If you bought a toy, it was a kiddie toy. Yeah. And it was for little kids, and it was a shitty version. <laughs> and X-Files was, to I mean, the first thing I can remember that was made collectible toys aimed at adults. Oh. And it's crazy. Like, it was the first one, and, like, they came with, um, Scully came, her first toy came with a weird dead body yeah, I have on that. a gurney. I have that. And it was, What like, a weird thing to get. But, like, at, the thing was that this was aimed at adults, so it was yeah. really cool. Like, yeah. it wasn't, like, a Star Wars size three, you know, uh, uh, th three and three quarter inch thing. It was, it was a bigger thing. The sculpts were better. The likenesses were more yeah. realistic. And, uh, X-Miles... I mean, that's how different fandom was then. That now, like every goddamn TV show, you can get toys oh, and statues yeah. and Everything whatever and T-shirts. Yeah. The idea of getting an X Files T-shirt, I had nothing made me more excited than being able to find 
the I Want to Believe poster. Oh, and I had hung, one too. It hung in my living room, and that was a big deal. I had one too. You see it? Isn't it in the first it's episode? It's in the first episode, yeah. Amazing. It's a picture of a UFO that says, I want to believe. And it's 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 the show's mission statement, but it's also just it's also just a beautiful, it's weird awesome. like piece of dorm art. Yeah. And I uh, had it in college. You, I, yeah. There would be these people who would come in and there would be like these poster sales. And you would go and they would just flip through books and I saw that I want to believe one and I got it and it was fucking awesome. And that was a big deal then. The first thing I ever bought online in my life was I didn't have a credit card. I got money, paid it to uh, give my roommate cash, and he bought it with his parents' credit card. was a uh, X-Files T-shirt with uh, the host on it. You remember that episode? (laughs) The leech guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, That was one of the first things I bought online. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. X-Files, I think, is the show that creates modern fandom. Everything that we take for granted now, the X-Files help. I mean, for everything from shipping to merchandise that was like readily available, uh, to home video releases. This is all stuff that really began with the X-Files. That is interesting. When I think back on, like you said, that you couldn't get like DVDs at the show, obviously, but you couldn't get VHSs. That's, I had one that had War of the Coprophages, uh-huh. which is the one where the roaches are yep. like robots, and it's very vague. It's a really fun, weird episode. The guy dies on the toilet. Yeah. One. Yeah, 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 it's a really fun, weird episode, and uh, I think it had Clyde Bruckman yeah. on the same one, and that's my They were literally, you buy a season set that was six episodes long. Yeah. It was two episodes per VHS tape, yeah. and that would be it. And uh, Buffy did the same thing, uh, where it was just six episodes per season, so they would just pick and choose, and it would be a mix of Monster of the Week and Mythology episodes, yeah. and it would always be the opening and closing. So like the episode, I think it's the season two closer of X-Files, where they're in the train car. Oh, what a great That fucking, was like, the, uh, like, I wore that VHS tape out, oh, like watching so and great. watching that. Do you remember that at some point it became this weird thing where there was like this Native American character who would show up and like mm-hmm. spot wisdom at them? When was that? That was like season three. That was right around then because it was yeah, all Yeah, right around then, It right? was the code talkers and stuff like oh, that. Oh, the code they, talkers and stuff. They hit, they hit that weird because- oh, so yeah. big. But that's the thing. The show ended up going into a lot of- on the negative side, they didn't have a plan. But on the positive side, not having a plan allowed them to just follow whatever interested them at the time. Yeah. So they got into weird Navajo code code talkers <laughs> and they got into the idea that like, you know, the Roswell aliens like were part of like an ancient civilization. Yeah. And they were able to go straight the vaccinations were tied into oh, the aliens. The vaccination stuff. I mean, you guys, when he says at the end <laughs> they've been here a long, long time, it's so true. Because yeah. it really gets so big and crazy. In a good way, as you said, until it starts going back. Well it's funny when when Lost first started, I wish I could find the goddamn article. There's a quote from either Damon Lindelof or Carlton Cuse, and they say, we learn from the X-Files how not to end a show. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I just got really angry for a second. I, I just got really angry I for know, a second. I know, I know. Well, what's great about uh, well, well, X-Files is one of the first shows that I can remember that really sort of made – because sci-fi, now sci-fi is so mainstream. It's Comic so books are mainstream. so mainstream. Yeah. But there was a time where all that shit was really This is, this is, hard, this is hard nerd stuff. This is hard nerd stuff. And X-Files kind of dragged it into the mainstream. It made it okay to watch. And then Lost did it again, kind of. You say what you will about how it ended or whatever. Right. But Lost really did that. A lot of my friends who would, would not be caught dead watching a sci-fi thing really got right. into Lost. And X-Files was were the first ones to do that. Uh, I was in... Uh, College towards the end of the X Files run, and we would every I think it aired on Sundays. Is that right? Um, and yep. we had like a crew of people that I think would, it started on Fridays, but ended up on Sundays. We though, would I think get it together and watch the X Files, all of us together, and like none of us had anything in common except that we liked the X Files. Right. 
Um, what a fucking fantastic show. So basically what I'm saying is you're going to hear a lot of negative shit about why the X-Files went mythology-wise, but it's a really, really great ride up until the movie. Like those episodes of re- – this one, do you remember, where there's – uh, alien dead body that they see and it's on some train or some truck going somewhere and it's Mulder and Scully like going cross country chasing this one specific truck it's a really great like what X-Files did so well was like hinted big stuff right. but situate it in like small like right. it, like stuff so they're like just chasing this what's on the truck is the entire world right. but right now they just have to like make sure they sleep enough and get food right. and it, it's fucking great the show is really good at grounding it in the character stuff There's a, when we talk about what, we, what we're going to talk about the episode that I wanted to originally to discuss was the episode where they're searching for a Loch Ness monster. Quagmire. Quagmire. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about that one, and I'm going to drag it in anyway, uh, is because there's they're, they're stuck on an island in the middle of a lake. Yeah. And they end up just hanging out. And they yeah. have all this time to kill. Yeah. And Mulder gives this speech that, to me, is one of the most amazing speeches I've ever heard a TV character give. And it touches me in a way that nobody else has ever done with a TV character. And he talks about how he sees people who are handicapped and in their lives they get up in the morning and they're able to get out of bed and they tie a tie and they go to work and we're all like, that's so amazing. And he's like, just one day I want that same feeling of like just the fact that I was able to get out of bed today is amazing. That makes you a hero. That makes you a hero. And and I love that because I'm always the kind of guy who's like, you know what, if my legs were cut off, I'm not climbing a fucking mountain. I am just happy to be still with us. Yeah. And so (laughs) I'm not the guy that has to run a marathon with like my fake legs. I'm like, fuck you. Like, I'm still here. Yeah. But I also get that idea of, you know what? I got up today, man. Like, yeah. that was a big deal. Dude. And that's what I like about Fox Mulder is he's a character who is, he's a hero, but he's not heroic in traditional ways. But he's no, not, he, he loves porn. But he's, he's not an anti-hero in traditional. He's not a bad guy. No. He's not a, he's, he's not a rough guy. He's not a he's, dick. He's not a dick. He's not, he's not a drinker. He's not driven by doubt. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a little lazy. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he likes to jerk off. Yeah. Uh, he's a wise ass. Yeah. Uh, but he believes what he's doing and he, and he doubles down on, on, on all his beliefs. And yeah. I always love that. And I can't think of another character Period That's right. Like that. He's flawed, but he's not an anti-hero, which right. you see so much now. It's really easy to do that, where yeah. it's like, I'm a bad guy, but this time I'll help you. Yeah. He's like, no, I want to help you. Yeah. You're great. And he'll make like cracks about like the Yahoo that they talk to, but when he's out of earshot. You know, right. when they leave the guy, he'll say something to Scully weird, but right. he won't be shitty to the guy, right. and he has affection for the guy. There's like, right. there's a lot of, uh, what I, and this show is sort of divided into two parts. Um it's the big conspiracy, which is sort of, you know, the the government shadow people. It's sure. this monolith that's controlling everything, all the structure. And then there's like shit in little towns, which is the opposite of right. that. Like there's no structure. So there's right. one where it's like too much structure and one that where there's no structure. And uh, it's really interesting how those two sort of episodes really fulfill. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's so great. Like I, what another cool thing was. When you have the internet, you know which episode's coming up. You know what's going right. to happen. With this, I was like, is it going to be a big conspiracy episode? Is it just going to be like an Elvis impersonator who has a fucking shadow monster? Is this the one know. with the ATM machine? Yeah. That's angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like uh, – what's that one? Is it called Blood where all the um, – um, like the microwave and everything is turning against you? Isn't that Ghost in the Machine? Is that what it's called? Is that, I think it's called Ghost there in the Machine. There is one – do you remember the one that Stephen King wrote? Yeah. 
It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. They had that whole run where they had William Gibson write one too. Yeah. Um, and this was also, by the way, ahead of its time. Today, oh, yeah. when you watch TV, uh, movie directors and big time people write yeah. episodes all the time. Back yeah. then, those guys writing an episode was like mind blowing. And what X Files also did really well is that there was sort of riff on popular like or like big movies. So there's like an episode that's a riff on the thing. I right. believe it's called Ice. Really that's great. A, that has a really great joke where uh, Mulder uh, explains why his penis is small. What does he say? Because he's been in the he's been oh. in the ice bath, <laughs> and he, so he's naked because yeah. he's running this fever from yeah. the parasite, and he's in the ice bath. And I forget the exact joke, but he makes a joke about why yeah. his dick is small. So also, Mulder is a small dick. Another reason why I like him is yeah, character. it's great, very <laughs> relatable. I mean, who who could be more relatable? You know, going for something he can never get with a small dick, <laughs> and loves porn. I mean, he's us. Um, and then also, there's another great episode where it's um, that's sort of a riff on. Um, Silence of the Lambs, where it's mm-hmm. like Brad Dourif. Is that that's the guy who plays Grima Wormkin, yeah. right? That's his name. Where he's like this uh, uh, serial killer guy who's trying to lead them to someone else. And then there's another great episode uh, called Paper Hearts, where it's Tom Noonan, who's this. Do you know Tom mm-hmm. Noonan? He's this amazing actor. You've seen him. He always plays the creepy guy. Right. He's in. Uh, he's creepy looking. He's in Manhunter. He plays a uh, Buffalo Bill in Manhunter. Right. He's really fantastic. And it's this guy who's in. Uh, um, who's in jail, who's a serial killer, who basically tells Mulder that he's the one who killed his sister. Right. It's a great episode because it really sort of calls into question because Mulder believes his sister was abducted by aliens. He's right. trying to figure out what happened, and then now suddenly there's this guy who's like, everything you believe is shit. I just killed her, and I have like this, you know, he cuts out like hearts from little girls' dresses that he kills. What a creepy thing. See, I hate that episode. You don't like it? Why don't you like it? I think that episode, I don't want to spoil it too much for anybody who's a new New to the show. I think but, it's season six. Yeah, the show. There's a point where they really reverse a lot of that stuff because they're just dramatically trying to find where to go with it, and I think they undercut a lot of what came before in terms of what the conspiracy is. Uh, but then it in turns... a way that I don't like. And that episode also doesn't end with um, she um, is a star in heaven because she her soul goes to heaven. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's real remember. gross. But then it's sort of the the way the episode ends is that it. Uh, reinforces all the conspiracy stuff. I remember it, it doesn't really undercutting it. I have to rewatch it. I think it undercuts it, but at the end, it turns out that that guy was lying, or to. so. However, he had the information wasn't real. Yeah, I, the thing is that the show. There are some episodes where they flash back to it um, with the actual events. Yeah, uh, which has a weird thing. Also, the other thing I like about Mulder is that uh, the show that they're watching when his sister is abducted, is the Bill Bixby TV show, The Magician. That's right. And so Mulder's into magic, which I like also because as a That's nerdy a kid, thing. I was really into magic. So yeah, it's like me too. A lot Big of these things magic. that like really like make him relatable. Um, so I never liked when they undercut it because I liked the flashbacks and how it worked, but it was never going to be, I think, um, it was never going to be satisfactory just because it's a, a serialized show that had no end point. But I mean, any show that has a big mystery, either you solve the mystery and it's not satisfying, or you don't solve it and then that's not satisfying either. What's funny is the first episode has this mystery and it's, um, you can figure it out as a viewer and it's satisfying at the end because they come to the conclusion that you know as a viewer they're going to come to. Yeah. It's how they get there. And in the in the long term, it's less satisfying. It's harder because you're two years ahead of them. You're like, well, we, I know I know where that's going. Yeah. It's, it's hard. But I also, I don't, I don't want the rug pulled out in fake drama. You know, I don't want that fake reveal where it's like, well, you thought this. Yeah. Because that's that's bullshit too. But that's what happened. I think like up to season five, the show's really solid. Obviously, there's some clunkers. The movies, I, I like the movie. I like it's the movie a lot. I like the movie. It's not a great standalone movie. Even but though in the, the movie ends the with the premise that Scully does not see the UFO because she's like 
fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like sort of what happens in the show over and over. Like, oh, there were aliens. You just they were right it. here. They were right here. Look. The, oh, <laughs> fuck. Um, it's an empty Jolly Rancher wrapper. There were aliens were eating it. And, and I think season six is actually really good because they're sort of freed from the constraints of trying to make this huge storyline work. So right. there's a lot of like great weird episodes. Like this one called... Um, the Rain King, do you do you like that episode? Which it's one a is fucking that? weird, cheesy one where they go to this small town and it turns out that the guy, there's a guy who says he can make it rain. And yes. He, they get off the thing and the, it's a really funny moment where it's a tiny town. So they have like the little girls who are in the band like are like twirling stuff for the FBI because they're excited. And there's this guy who can like dance and make rain happen. But it's a really sweet episode because it just becomes about this guy who has weird powers, who's in love with this woman that he can't have. Right. And it's sort of mirrors how... Uh, Mulder and Scully's relationship is there's this great moment where they're at the prom for some reason and they're seeing the two people finally reunited and they're dancing together and it cuts to Mulder and Scully they're standing side by side and they're swaying to the music like exactly with each other so they're like it's a great thing for shippers because they're like they're dancing with each other but they're not quite right. they don't know what they're doing but they're perfectly in sync it's such a beautiful little moment I think that's a good uh, this is such an unstructured discussion that it, it's, it certainly it's, is it's a good tangent that the show what it does really well is that it uses humor really well it has straight up comedy episodes. Oh yeah! But they never undermine the characters because the show is always, even though Lost in the end claimed that it was about the characters, it wasn't. It was always no. about the, the mystery, mystery. Yeah. and the characters are always mechanisms of the mystery. X Files always was about these two characters yes. making their way through a maze, and so the comedy episodes work really well in the X Files because they're always character based. Like Jose Chung's from Outer Space is a delightful, hilarious episode. Pretty meta. Before we were doing that, before stuff doing that so meta stuff, uh, but it it, it it doesn't undercut the show because it's always based in these characters. Yeah. There's the episode where they go to Hollywood. Uh, oh yeah, Hollywood AD. Yeah, which is yeah. also really meta, and yeah. but also works on a character. Is that level. the one where they're making a movie about yes. Mulder and Scully, yes. and it works really well? Yeah. like all the ex cops is a fun one. Like, yeah, they do a lot of like weird fun riffs. They'll like. What I like about the show is that you really got the sense in a lot of episodes that they're having fun making this show. They had this format that allowed them to do what they wanted to do. And yeah, they, they took advantage of it, and it didn't always work. But that's okay because I think when you're trying things and you're yeah. being interesting, it's not always going to work. Yeah. Not not everything you write down is going to be the best thing, but it's cool that you went there and, and gave it a shot. And you could see people the, where they would see like, oh, we saw The Thing is one of our favorite movies. Let's do our version of that. Right. It seems like people who genuinely love what they're doing. Like there's a great like Groundhog. Do you remember the Groundhog yeah. Day episode? That was a fun one. I believe it's called Monday, where which is a great title for a Groundhog Day episode. Like you're just reliving Monday <laughs> over and over. So fucking great. Uh, and so this show, um, I think we should probably wrap up um i would say you know uh, if you haven't watched the first two definitely watch the first two if you're a person who likes sci-fi or, or just like good tv shows yeah. like these two really really hold up the and second episode but i want to really briefly before we wrap this up yeah, is that um that has that area 51 thing and even though the whole show is shot in vancouver which is totally incorrect for area 51 a couple of years ago, I went to Area 51. And they don't call it Area 51. They call it, what's it called? Like Ethel Air Force Base? Ethel Air Force Base, that's uh, right. I went to Area 51 a couple of years ago, and having seen you know, the version in the X-Files where they have the weird cafe, there's a weird cafe. The weird cafe felt so well, there's real. Well, there's a real weird cafe at, yeah. at Area 51, and I went there. And uh, it was neat, and because even though it was not right, yeah. it was correct. 
Yeah, it was neat. And also, when we went to Area 51, we um we went to the gate to go hang out and just like because you can get so far and there's a sign that says don't go any further. Um, and just like on the show, <laughs> uh, there were jets flying over at supersonic speed, and we got buzzed by a drone, oh. by a, pred- a predator drone, flew 40 feet over our heads. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, not you, a lot of people get to see that like view a, yeah, uh, and, and, yeah. and make it out the other side. It's just you and people at weddings in Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only ones to see that. And I'm the only one who gets to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not talking about it. A terrible they're not, wedding. They're not telling that story. Yeah, we had a great time until nobody did. It's like it's like it's like it's like it's like Game of Thrones over there. Every, oh. every wedding's a disaster. Oh. <laughs> it really is. Don't go to a Pakistani wedding or a wedding in Westeros. That's what you learn. But there's a great moment in that diner, which I think is really great, where there's this woman that you know, Mulder wants to believe so bad. Yeah. So there's this woman who has like she works there. She has pictures of all the things, and he's like, she's like, yeah, I took this one myself. And it's sort of a serious discussion. Mulder's really excited, and, and she's he like, buys it. From yeah, her. and she's like, you can buy it for twenty dollars. So you're like, again, like I don't know if this is real or she's just like selling it. That's what the show did. But so what's well. really great is he buys it, and then Scully leans in and goes. Sucker, <laughs> which is a wonderful relationship. Yeah, and they've thing. only known each other a couple weeks at that point. And, but they're just really comfortable, and it's not. Yeah. It's, it, it it isn't a mean sucker. It's yeah. the sucker that you say to your friend. Yeah, and it's really exactly. good. It's there's really no great. Meanness. That first conversation that they have, going back to where you said, you know, there's these bright lit halls, and then she goes to right. the basement. The FBI's most unwanted, and the first thing he does, he sees her. The first thing he does, he just shows us shows her all those slides of like, this is the evidence. This is the thing. This is the thing. And when he sees that a little bit she's intrigued, he's like, this is an ally. She's not a patsy. She's here right. for the right It right, would have been right really reasons. easy for the show to spend the entire first season with Mulder thinking that she was out to get him. It would have been a, it the been easiest really thing easy. to do. The, that's, the, that's the obvious choice, and yeah. they, they did not go that they way. They trust each other right from the first moment. An amazing casting. Both of them were unknowns. The idea now of like casting two unknowns as the lead in like a big show is so rare, but you get these two people. Mulder is perfect. David Duchovny is Perfectly, perfectly yeah. cast. I he's mean, amazing. He's amazing on that show, and he stays amazing throughout until you know he, he leaves and right. things get weird later. But um, it's because it's you know why it's one of those things. Also, that people don't realize that because this is when Fox is at a weird formative period. Oh, they're doing they're Simpsons. Just, they're, throwing, they're doing. They're throwing all kinds of shit yeah. at the wall right there. They don't know what. This is when That's Fox and, and UPN is happening. UPN is doing. UPN is doing Homeboys in Outer Space, and they're doing. Uh, <laughs> what? They're doing Homeboys in Outer Space, and they're doing the show uh, about the slave in Lincoln's White House, a sitcom about a slave in Lincoln's White House. I heard someone talk about this. I mean, so this the is first a, episode has like a lynching. And you're like, that's not funny. It is a weird period in American television where these new upstart networks, it's not yeah. quite cabled yet. Cable yeah. has not really blown out. Right. And there are these over-the-air upstart networks that are trying to horn in. It's a weird moment. So X-Files I probably could have only happened then. Yeah. But because it does and it works, it opens up an entire world that we're living in today. It's well, amazing. This, this is also, it really is, because there's the three channels and suddenly these new ones are coming right. out. And now X, uh, now X Fox is one of the you know four uh broadcast networks but they also were doing weird things remember right right after the X-Files they're trying to define themselves so that Simpsons which was their one hit which is like an animated thing but for adults we haven't seen that yet they're doing the X-Files and they started doing like world's worst animal attacks and all that that. shit you remember that they did that for a while then you remember the time they aired the alien autopsy which was like the real alien autopsy you remember that by Jonathan Frakes I believe uh, is that who it was Star Trek yeah Yeah. I I had that on VHS did you? I bought that, yeah. yeah. Because I believed it. I, that, that I was watched a, it. That's the other thing. When I watched the X-Files I was so excited in 93, I believed it. It yeah. wasn't just like I was in. I believe, I thought that there were UFOs visiting us. Well, and I will say. Alien. Do you believe? Let's, let's wrap yeah. it up this way. Do you believe today that UFOs visit us and that aliens have visited us? I do. 
I do believe that I I do believe um I know enough people who are super sane who have seen shit that doesn't make sense. To me, obviously, obviously, the the question I would assume with you isn't whether there are aliens; it's whether they've visited well, us. Well, they've been us. here, right? Um, the idea, you know, I read Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. I grew up believing in UFOs, so this right, is not a new thing. I've just like maybe I've just rationalized it, and that this is something I want to believe. Um, but. To me, I read that book, and he talks about how you know you can travel great distances using wormholes, where it's sort of like time and space right. overlap. So you sort of you know if you think of like a blanket, and there's two holes, and you line up the holes, and when you you know you go from one part of the blanket to another like really quickly. So it's scientifically possible, right? And I feel like there's enough shit that's happened that um, I believe it is possible, highly possible, that aliens. Uh, have visited us, and to me, the craziest thing that they've done is make it make us think that believing in aliens is just as crazy as believing in the Loch Ness monster, which I think is truly crazy. There's a there's a ufologist named Jacques Vallée, uh, who is the uh, in Close Encounters the Truffaut, the character that Truffaut plays is uh-huh. based on Jacques Vallée. He's okay. a real ufologist, and later on in life, he came to the conclusion he signed he had this theory. Uh, called the, the I'm going to pr- pronounce it wrong, uh, theory of Majonia. The idea that he later on in life decided that, because UFO experiences, and if you read about them, um, they're weird. They're not just like lights in the sky. People who have experienced close encounters, like it's real strange. It's like, sur- it's a, very often very surreal. Yeah. Uh, it's very psychedelic. It's very bizarre. His theory is that UFOs don't come from outer space. They come from a different dimension. Oh, just like in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Right. And that's where that, that's where that theory comes from. And the idea is that we, why so much of this stuff is so weird is not because the aliens are doing are being are weirdos. Oh, just but physics is our, different. Our under our ability to comprehend what's happening is totally fucked yeah. by meeting a guy from the ninth the ninth, the ninth dimension. That that, that experience yeah. in the ninth dimension for a moment is just totally overwhelming to our senses. I like that theory a lot. So you like it? So you think you sort of buy that? I, that that makes sense to me. There's like a whole other series of dimensions that are existing side by and, side with us, and that when we and math wise, we touch it, they they it makes sense. Yeah. This is this is how you got to end of episode is whatever the whatever the um the oh, weird thing is do you believe in the Loch Ness monster do you believe in, in the the Jersey Devil do you believe in all this that's yeah. that th- this is your format <laughs> okay we've, we've, we found so you no format until the end and then like something yeah well, you, I mean you'll figure out the rest of your format it. as you go along but yeah. this is a good ending for listen I like to think of this episode as sort of a microcosm of what the X Files was where it seems like all this big crazy stuff is happening and the sound running around and then slowly you figure out the structure and you see what's going on and, and then patterns. it's a huge letdown. And then it's a huge, <laughs> and then it's a huge letdown. And this is what it would be great if I had the balls just to end the episode at huge letdown, and it's just an end. But I don't have the balls to do that. So, uh, well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks, Devin, for coming. Thank you for having um, me on the first episode because yeah. the X Files is such a huge thing for me. I was such a huge fan of it, yeah. and it was exciting to go back and revisit these first two episodes. Because I don't think I would have otherwise. I honestly don't know that many people who are as, in, as into the X-Files as you and I are. Emily loves the X-Files, but it's a recent thing. For you and me, it's a contextual thing when we were kids. You know, yeah. I liked UFOs. I watched it. It made the world seem bigger and crazier and more awesome and more mysterious. And uh, 
it was really, really exciting to watch from that perspective. And it's just sort of, I wanted to revisit it with somebody who, because we've talked about this yeah. show multiple times before. And part of the reason I wanted to do this show was just to be able to talk about the X-Files again. I mean, I love this show and it it's hard to bring it up. You know, I feel like you're the only one I've ever really talked to about <laughs> it. Who else do we know that is into this show? I don't know, but I think what's exciting about this show that you're going to be doing is the idea that you're going to like turn other people on I hope to the so. X-Files. I hope so. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. Um, you know, if you haven't watched the first two, watch the first two now. They really, really are really, really good. They're even, just good, period. Like, not even like, really good. Not just in some kind of context. They're just two good episodes of TV. They're just two good episodes of TV. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do next. Maybe we watch Squeeze, uh, which is also a really great really episode. Really good episode. Yeah. Uh, so that seems like a natural thing to do. Maybe we'll jump around a little bit. But, you know, I'll be your guide through this, and I'll tell you which ones to skip because there's ones that you should skip. So the format of this one is going to be, uh, um, you know, watch the first two, and then for subsequent episodes, I'll sort of have, like, it'll be like homework. Like, watch this before we, before you listen to the episode, before you listen to, uh, before you talk about it. And maybe what this will give you is what was hard for us to do was when we were watching The X-Files, finding people to talk. Right. Uh, uh, to talk about the X-Files but it was hard to find so maybe this is what you know you, you'll have that um, so thanks so much for listening to the first episode of the X-Files Files Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jeremiah. And we are hosting a new comedy writing podcast called Fish Out of Water on Boardwalk Audio. Each week we invite a new guest to talk to us about writing for television, movies, the internet, and live theater. It's going to be fun, exciting, and invigorating. That's our Fish Out of Water guarantee. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at F-O-O-W-Pod. Yay! Yay!